Hello, and welcome back to Climbing the Castle, your definitive Disney ranking podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Charlie. And today we'll be speaking about Treasure Planet. As always, we're going to give you one last chance to go check out this movie before we get into it. I'm going to highly recommend that you go check this one out before we talk about it, because it is not one that a lot of people know about, and it's kind of under the radar, and I think you're going to want to check this one out, because... We got a lot to say about this one, so go watch it, come on back, and we'll get into it. In this science fiction rendering of the classic novel Treasure Island, Jim Hawkins is a rebellious teen seen by the world as an aimless slacker. After he receives a map from a dying pirate, he embarks on an odyssey across the universe to find the legendary Treasure Planet. And I don't know why no one has told me about this movie before or talked about it because this is an absolutely amazing movie yeah i i do not know how this movie flies under everyone's radar and is like not mentioned by anyone and not talked about by anyone we we thought atlantis the lost empire was underrated this one is severely underrated this is a masterpiece that no one knows about it's just it's not fair. It's <laughs> and I'm sorry. Spoilers for things that we're going to talk about. Not necessarily for what we're going to talk about later. Yeah. But scoring wise, this is my new favorite Disney movie of all time. I think it's I think it's my favorite, better than Hercules, just barely. Wow. That's that's quite a big statement for even for with a movie. <laughs> even without that nostalgic factor. Yeah. Scoring-wise, it's definitely going to be very, very high for me as well. I don't know if I would say it's my new favorite. I don't know if I'm ready to make that jump, because I was already just, like, scared to make that jump already to Hunchback, <laughs> and now, like, I'm questioning all kinds of things here. So, That's the beauty of this podcast. We don't know what we're going to love. I do love this movie so much, and it is absolutely incredible. Spoilers, oh, yeah. But we'll get into all that when we get into the movie yeah so before that how about we get into some fun facts let's do it anyone who has watched treasure planet knows that the movie isn't entirely traditionally animated in fact its uniqueness comes from the way it combines 2d traditional animation with 3d computer computer animation that being said, this aspect doesn't prevent it from being the most expensive traditionally animated movie ever made with a budget of $140 million. That's pretty expensive. That's a lot of money for an animated movie. But with that being said, there is a time where it was Disney's biggest financial loss. So the total cost of the movie was $180 million including 40, uh, 40 million for advertising. The total worldwide gross for the movie was only $101 million, meaning that the total loss for this movie is $79 million. How, how did it do so badly? Like, it always blows my mind when like, you have movies like that, that, this that fail at the box office, and it's like such a great movie and just knowing, like, if I went and saw this movie when it came out, I would be telling everyone to run out and go see this movie. I'm thinking that it's just because it was maybe too far ahead of its time. Well, 
Also, I do know the actual answer to this, and it was very bad placement at the time as well. Harry Potter just came out at that point. That's right. There was some other stuff. There was like other big name movies that came out at the same exact time that led to this. But you would think like it would still gain some kind of traction being what it is. And it kind of stinks that Disney doesn't like chalk it up to that as well. Mm-hmm. So, as I said earlier, this movie is based off the novel Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's been made numerous times for movies and shows and all that. Uh, for Disney, there were two other movies made before this one about the novel. One was uh, in 1950. They released Treasure Island, which was the first fully live-action movie for Disney, as well as the first adaptation of the book in color. And then the next was in 1996 for Muppet Treasure Island, which installed, you guessed it, the Muppets. See, I've seen Muppet Treasure Island, and I do enjoy that movie, because I do love the Muppets, so like... Of course, yeah. Uh, We will have to get to the... I have not seen the 1950 version, and we'll get to that in our third stage of movies to see how that kind of compares to this but yeah i have a feeling it's not going to be anywhere near exciting as this one no not at all and then uh this movie took 10 years to make having had the longest production cycle of any movie in disney post renaissance era after it went through production hell through the production mainly started after the release of hercules in 1997 that's a long time ago yeah that's like we've gone through so many movies since Hercules. Yeah, and this movie was just still just being made like that entire time. Yeah, that all this was going on. It was made it through the different eras. Like that was this, still this could have been a the Disney Renaissance. Yeah, this was still being like started being made in the Renaissance era. That's pretty. We could have heard a song from Long John Silver. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think I think it worked here, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> in 1985, co-directors Ron Clements and John Musker pitched the idea for of The Little Mermaid. At the same time, Clements pitched Treasure Planet to Michael Eisner. Back then, the movie was called Treasure Island in Space. <laughs> Interestingly, at the time of Treasure Planet's release, it was no longer an original idea to set the classic story in space. There already existed a 1987 Italian adaptation in the form of miniseries called Treasure Island in Outer Space. <laughs> That's amazing. That's wonderful. What a fantastic title. That made, that made me think of uh, when we were talking early episodes where uh, Disney movies had simpler titles. Yeah. Like but, Two Dogs in Love or something for Lady and the Tramp. Oh, yes. When they, they made their fake names <laughs> list of all, the, mm-hmm. all their simple movies. <laughs> Another fun fact is this movie idea was shot down. And not once, not twice, but three separate times. This was during the 10-year the period that it was being made? Or yeah. this was before the, the 10 uh, years already? <laughs> this was a little both. I remember reading somewhere where that I forgot to write it down, but I remember reading somewhere 
where uh, they had to stop production because they were like, no, we're not doing this. And then they came back to it like, oh, let's pick it up again. Let's see what happens. Well, I'm glad it finally made it out. So. Oh, yeah. Because if this movie didn't re- wasn't released, even though we haven't seen it until now, it still would have been a travesty. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, and then speaking of that almost not being released, there was a sequel planned with Willem Dafoe set to voice the villainous Ironbeard, but it was canceled based on the movie's failure at the box office. That's disappointing. Oh, yeah. This would have talked about uh, Jim's time in the Academy going through there. They he was need supposed to come to have back a... and revisit the sequel and get oh, it yeah. now. Because, like, again, like I said before about Disney blaming the, the bad box office on it, like, production of this. So, like, I'm sure if they were to look at it now, like, they can see that this movie deserves the sequel. Yeah. And apparently there was going to be, like, a love interest rival at this academy. It was this, like, lady pirate. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. Disney, make this happen. Please come <laughs> back and, and reproduce this sequel. And if you do decide to make a live action of this movie, just please recreate it scene for scene. Do not ruin this live action movie if you ever decide to do a live action movie of this. Yes, and this time he's Michael J. Fox somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, brings me to my next fun fact. The next fear is just going to be like little... Fun, fun fact. Yes. Tom Cruise, Michael J. Fox, Anthony Michael Hall, and Jared Leto, of all people, were all considered for the role of Jim Hawkins. That's that's quite a strange <laughs> group of people. Yeah, Jared Leto was the one who surprised me the most out of that. That is also very surprising, because, like, I don't think he he wasn't doing any acting at that point. That was like right at the peak of when Thirty Seconds to Mars was just kicking off. Yeah. So like, how did that even like get like? I guess he was interested in doing acting. They obviously never watched Suicide there. Squad. Well, that wasn't even a <laughs> thought in their head at that point. But <laughs> it is interesting that he's in that list. Oh yeah. Uh, when Jim and Dr. Doppler arrive at the spaceport, they get directions from two characters using a ladder. These are character caricatures of directors John Musker, who is the one on top of the ladder, and Ron Clements, who is the one holding the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, I remember reading this fact, and then I was waiting to see them in the movie when it happened, and I'm like, that was some really off characters. Because it was like alien-type things yeah so i'm like okay i guess they were just kind of like loosely based characters well i i looked at them and then looked yeah. at the pictures of these two directors they look pretty much the same <laughs> they look like aliens <laughs> just about <laughs> i should have looked up a picture before but i did not so I'm like it threw me off when the aliens showed up and then last one on the planet in Ben's cave, uh, Dr. Doppler says the phrase, dang it, Jim, I'm a doctor. I mean, I am, but it's a doctorate. It's not the same thing. This is a clear reference to Star Trek where Dr. McCoy always says, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a, and then whatever tasks he's performing. 
Yeah, I definitely <laughs> picked that reference up, and I did enjoy that very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that in my notes. I love, I love uh, hearing all these references to movies and shows that I like instantly know. It's like, yeah. ah, I got that one. <laughs> I did pick up on that one immediately as well. It was very entertaining. <laughs> and that's all I got for fun facts. All right. Uh, let's keep things moving then into our scores. There was a conspiracy. I did not have time to dig into it, but it was supposed a conspiracy how Disney purposely tanked this movie to to get rid of their traditional animating style and to like fully go into the 3D models only. Uh, there's videos about it. I haven't looked into it. But it's po- it's a possibility. I wouldn't count it out, being what how how poor this movie did. Consider- yeah, in the but, box office at least. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was a great movie. So like, and it also took ten years to to make. So like, obviously there was something going on there. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not getting again. I'm gonna look it up as well after this episode of recording. But we have a lot going on in this episode, so we're just gonna keep it moving. Yeah, no sidetracking, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> no promise. <laughs> uh, what do you have for your story score? For my story score, I have a 94. I have a 93. So, right, right on. I together. think this is my highest movie score so far. Yeah, I have it tied with Atlantis because Atlantis is also my highest story score, and I'm still not ready to bump it up any higher than I already have it, even though this was nearly perfect mm-hmm. in its story. It did have a couple of issues here. Not really issues, issues, but like I had some some flaws that kind of brought it down for me a little bit. But Yeah, there were like a couple like small flaws. One issue that I had, and it's this one is like a kind of like a Schrodinger's cat situation. It's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't here. Because, like, I felt they gave the twist away for Mr. Silver too early. Yeah. Of him, like, telling the crew that they're going to blow it uh, this early in the mission. Because, like, you do that, and then right after that, you have that big music video. Well, not music video, but, like, that's when the song comes in with of, like, Silver and Jim Bonding and all this stuff. And it's like, all right, we know that he doesn't really mean any of this stuff for most part, or it's not true, it's just an act. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're building that story of, is he really feeling this way about Jim, or is it just an act? And that's a really huge story that plays into the movie, and it like keeps you going. So it's like... Yeah, it's like they actually build this connection. Yeah, so it's like they kind of take away that plot twist that they could have given you if they were to reveal it later on, but at the same time they build the next other plot point of whose side is he actually on. Yeah. And then another thing is when you know that lizard uh, when Bones talks about uh, to beware the cyborg. Yeah. Suddenly we meet the cyborg. And I mean, yeah, there could be other cyborgs throughout the movie, but Seeing how this is the first one we see, it kind of makes it obvious. I mean, but that, that again, that also plays into the 
questioning of his character. Like, it immediately puts Jim on notice of him. But it also, like, he doesn't know for sure that he's the cyborg. Because mm-hmm. he also says that there's lots of other cyborgs there. So, like, but we don't like... see any others throughout the like at the port. So I mean, once they take off, it's like, oh, that's the only cyborg. Technically, it could have been, uh, is it Bob? What's his name? Rob Ben. Ben is a robot, so I mean, it could have been. It's not a cyborg, though. No. Not, I guess he's more just a full-on robot than a cyborg, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think that was it. They could have thrown an extra cyborg in there just to to play just to throw us off. Like maybe one tries to sell Jim something while they're on their way to the ship. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I didn't think that was that big of an issue to me, but. Again, we all have our own different issues here. Yeah. To me, the other, the only other, like, major issue that I had was how Scroop got killed. Yeah. Because, like, I don't feel like that should have worked that way. Because, like, he unplugged the the, the gravity thing, which just releases the anti-gravity it shouldn't have like mm-hmm. repelled him into the sky like that especially if they were already on a planet where there's gravity yeah if the ship was in a same like in a spot where it's like it's not like the ship was in a different spot than the planet that they were walking on that didn't have the anti-gravity field well maybe it was just outside enough of the gravity field maybe i don't know the ship was like right next to the planet it wasn't like it was far off I mean, also, I think they had to climb a rope to get up there. Up to it. I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't have, like, sent them off into space as well, though. Yeah. The way, the way that it was set up. But there's, I don't think there was any other way to kill him without it being, like, super brutal. Like, Jim stabs him with a knife or something. No. I mean, it, it, yes, they could have, I mean, they could have killed him in the in the treasure chamber, though. Yeah, by having him fall into the lava, or like added that part of it. No, I think they needed that extra danger though of, you know, Jim going back to the ship, and then he runs into one of the. The sequence itself was still great, like it definitely was a suspenseful and a, like great sequence. It's just... yeah, especially watching Ben get the wrong plug and all these different things happening. Yeah. I don't. Know. It's just I feel like that shouldn't has that. Shouldn't have worked like that. And again, that's just little things that bother me here and there. Otherwise, the story itself was absolutely incredible. It did kind of feel a little bit long. I don't know if it was just me. I mean, I still enjoyed every part of it. And it it's not like it's much longer than all of the other movies. Yeah, it's like, what, it's like an hour t- 40? Yeah. It's like 10, 15 minutes longer than the majority of like the movies that we have. Mm-hmm. But like when we get into that final, well, what we think is the final act, when they land to the mushroom planet, you're like, all right, it's going to start wrapping up because that's like an hour into the movie already. So that's when usually stuff starts wrapping up in all the other movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, they're going to just get back to the, the, the ship and then it's going to wrap up. And then they introduce the whole new character there. And I was like, oh. There's a whole other act here that's oh. just starting. 
We're at the halftime. <laughs> well, it wasn't halftime. It was a bit well, was yeah, past halftime. But after. like the fact that they're introducing a new character, it's like, oh, we're not completely finished here. We're just yeah. like continuing. And it just kind of threw me off a little bit because I feel like I'm so used to like stories being wrapped up at that point for Disney movies, at least. Yeah. But I mean, it was still enjoyable. Yeah, I still enjoyed that final act, even though <laughs> it was just unexpected. It was like, oh, extra story. It's kind of like overtime. <laughs> and <laughs> that's that's how I'm going to look at it. Hey, it took 10 years to make it. We can sit there an extra 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this was Disney movie overtime, and it was wonderful. <laughs> because this was a, a game. Like if you're com- we're comparing to a game, this was a great game the entire yeah. time. It's like, all right, we get an extra bit of it. Oh, like... That's why it took 10 years to make it. They had to add that extra, like, little uh, finesse to it. Um, another minor, very, very minor, like, it's not actually a problem, but it's something yeah. I would have liked personally. Yeah. Subtitles for the uh, flatulent <laughs> language. You know, I had a note in here about the flat show language. I was like, oh, you're going to be happy we had fart jokes, aren't we? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I was loving it. That was, that Especially was that scene where it was the morning and Jim was waking up by a fart. He was on the hammock right under him. How unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, it is him just talking. It wasn't actually him farting. So I don't know why he was so grossed out, grossed out about it. Because it's a but... fart. What if someone made a fart sound on you? Fart noises. It wasn't an actual fart, as far as we know. Unless, but what if you were waking up by someone farting in your be face? I wouldn't about it. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This was an incredible movie, though. Like it's it's funny because like when I started a movie, I just instantly had a good feeling about the movie. Like just from like the few just little from the opening. Like there was a few little notes that played in like the soundtrack, and then the mm. narrator's voice kicked in. And I'm like, all right, this is yeah. going to be good. I can feel it. Just the fact that they had a narrator as like the voice that does their book for them. It seemed like it was like an audio visual book. book looked incredible. Them. I would love to have those books. Like, oh, yeah. It was so cool. It was like fog coming out of it and there was projections <laughs> and it was 3D and it had a narrator. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that would be so cool to have an actual book. But like that. The fact that it started off with, you know, a book being read. Yeah, that's how I knew. Like, this is gonna be great. I loved the little like how the little tease of like they show like the the, the spaceship and like the the pirate, and then it like cuts away to to Jim's head reading, watching the story. <laughs> yeah. And the little just, they're fighting, they're fighting, and then Jim's head just <laughs> a child's head just hi. <laughs> that was that was great. Like just... I was like, wait, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> And then you realize that it's just him reading the story and the narrator is reading the story for him. But mm-hmm. And it was a shame because like, that narrator was wonderful. It's a shame we only got him for the story part. Yeah, like maybe at the end of the movie, maybe we got to hear the, hear the rest of the story. Yeah. It is also very coincidental that the story that Jim was so involved with as a child and loved so much... He just kind of happens to get the map to this planet mm-hmm. randomly from some dude. <laughs> I mean, plot. What were they just going to give it to some other kid? <laughs> we're just listening to some other 
random kid read this story. He's not even part of this actual story anymore. No, but I'm just saying, I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty coincidental that, like, his favorite story is a child, and he's the one that gets, like, chosen mm-hmm. to to go to it. <laughs> we did have, for me at least, an immediate connection to Jim and his mom when they were reading that story. Oh, yeah. Like, you can tell just how much she cared about Jim and just what a, a great relationship they had. And, I don't know, it just drags you into his character and her character as well. Mm-hmm. And then later in, when finding out, you know, that his dad walked out on them, mm-hmm. it kind of makes you go, oh, so they're, like, really close because they're all they have. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing. Since Jim's dad walked out, Silver almost became, like, a father figure to him. Yeah. During this movie. Yeah, I mean, this comes into that, that song sequence, which was really well done. This mm-hmm. was the... Uh, the song that was introduced right after uh, Silver reveals his plans, which is why I was, like, thrown off by the timing of it. Mm, yeah. Because, like, if they would have, like, just did the song first and then did the reveal after that, it, it might have worked. Again, it, it also, the story of him questioning whether whose side he's on is is a big deal too though so it's like the more time you have to play with that the more it adds into it but this song really adds so many different levels to this story you get the backstory between jim and his father and why like the like his father walking out of him and you learn about his past Uh and it gives you this deeper connection to jim and then it also builds the relationship between Jim and Silver. And you can see their bonding that they have going on and stuff like that. And then just the song itself emotionally draws you into the to the story as well. Yeah, and then we'll get into this song a little more when we get to atmosphere. I, I just feel like this song really like applied levels it, to it every definitely single, applied to the story it, it applied levels to every character like category mm-hmm. in this movie because it added to the story it added to the characters it added there to the some atmosphere. Good visuals during it there was some nice visuals during it as well so like <laughs> that that one moment just added so much to the entire movie and it was a major part of the movie another scene that like had all those different categories in there mm-hmm. uh, that whole scene with the supernova Yes, that scene was very That cool. was scary, it was epic, it was fantastic. All the action scenes in this movie were incredible. Like, oh, all yeah. the action sequences really drew you in and had you on the edge of your seat. And, and then we lose a character here, we lose Mr. Arrow during this. That, that scene was just so heartbreaking. It was, like, and, Mr. Arrow wasn't, like, this huge character. No. But even seeing his death was, like, upsetting. The the thing they did so great about that scene is that it made me pissed off about Scroop cutting the cord, and it made me resent Scroop uh, for that. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to do, is make you hate Scroop there. And then it builds that emotional le- level of Jim, of like Jim thinking that he screwed up, and that it was his fault. And then you have this dramatic moment between him and Mr. Silver, which kind of bonds their relationship to another level. And this one character's debt just added so, again, added so much to the 
the story, and it caused a whole range of emotions. And he wasn't that big of a character. So the fact that they were able to pull off that much layers to that story yeah, and that scene just made it stick out so much more. And then also just how Mr. Arrow and Captain Amelia were seemed really close, you know, yeah. on a professional level, mm-hmm. but still very close when she finds out about it and we see how she's like very upset. Yeah kind of adds to her character you know she's very caring she cares about the crew mm-hmm. even if she doesn't think they're like the crew they hired was competent yeah she still cared yeah, she was taken aback and you can tell that she was trying to brush it off immediately she's like oh it's fine don't worry about it but you can still see like she started to get give that speech about him afterwards and it's like it's not fine and it's not really just another crew member gone yeah, she was, like, truly upset about it. Mm-hmm. But going back to her not being happy about the crew, do you, why didn't, like, Dilbert think that was, like, a red, not realize that was a red flag? Like, I guess it's because they didn't know how good of a Captain Amelia was yet. But, I mean, he hired like, this crew. Like, you would have done... Like, he had to have done some kind of research, or, like, did he just hire a random crew or the first just, crew that he can get? He, he was probably just super excited and hired the first crew he could get. And I'm like, probably I saw Amelia as incompetent for just not liking this crew. I don't know. For, like, someone, like, with the amount of money he had and, like, his expertise you would think all right he can probably probably find a decent like reasonable crew like in atlantis they took the time to research like some top-notch people yeah you would think also delbert is it delbert or delbert this is the third movie delbert doppler delbert doppler is his name three movies in a row where i keep like confusing the pronunciation of a character name (laughs) But for the amount of money Del- Delbert has, why can't he just help Sarah out? Sarah's in a tough uh, spot. Sarah, Don's yeah. mother. John's mother. Jim's mother. Sorry. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> John is silver. Yes. Why couldn't he just help Sarah out when, like, she said, she seems to be in a rough spot and she's really struggling with the end, it seems like. Then we go to his house, and he's got a big mansion, all these possessions, all these fancy things. Uh huh. Like, you can't give Sarah a little break here. Like, <laughs> it was probably because she, whenever they're asked if uh, he was the father by the cops, she went, "You." I mean, probably like, oh, you know, I'm not. Gonna, he may have had the thought of, "I'm going to help her." She goes, "You, oh, I'm not helping you anymore." But he did help right after that, yeah. anyway. Yeah. that's when he was like... He, uh, Apparently he's been a friend of the family for a long time. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, if he's been a family friend for the entire time, I feel like he, he could have done a little bit more in helping Sarah in her heart. And I guess we don't know the full story about what's yeah, going on. Like, maybe he offered and she denied. That's, she that's a good possibility. Turned it down. We don't know the full story here. Yeah. But... I'm just like going off of what I saw. I'm like, because then she she was saying, uh, 
that line. It was like, oh, do you do you think this is going to help or you, do you really, really want to go? It's like, oh, I really, really want to go, but it could also help. <laughs> yes. Uh, that line was hilarious. <laughs> oh, he was a very funny character. Yeah. Um, and then another funny character that we get meet for Ben, like that whole, you know, I'm trying to get to the next part. To the characters? No. Oh. <laughs> like another part of the movie. Okay. But, um, you know, the scene where we meet uh, Ben. Yes. Like, he's just this crazy robot that pops out like, oh, I haven't seen humans in so long or anyone else. Yeah. And so, like, we're suddenly meeting this new character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so this, it kind of helps show that this planet's been deserted for a long time. Yes. Because Ben's like, yeah, that's his name, right? Yeah, Ben. Ben. Yes. And uh, he's like, oh, it's been so long. And he's like, constantly hugging Jim. Yeah. Uh, he he was abandoned on that planet for however long that it's been since Flint was alive. There for his expert alive and dead. Because yeah. Flint is a skeleton at that point. So it's been, and we don't even know how long the story of Fred's planet was. Mm-hmm. Like, released. Well, did it, I don't know. Did I ever mention how long oh, ago Flint re- was... How long it's been but it has to have been many many years that he's left alone on that planet by himself yeah i mean like he's like flint is a skeleton now mm-hmm. so it has to have been a while yes and then uh when they get to the portals and figure out this is how flint appeared out of nowhere and left in midair kind of thing yes so trying to figure out how to get to the treasure. And uh, Jim's like, you just have to push open the right door. I mean, it is very convenient that there's just a door to, every, to everywhere. Everywhere they need to go. <laughs> Which is, it also explains how Flint made so much money, though. Because he oh, was yeah. just traveling from planet to planet, collecting all the gold. That was a lot of gold, too. Like, I oh, think yeah. that's the most gold I've ever seen. Scrooge McDuck would have had a heyday. (laughs) He would have been so excited to find that planet. Although, I do feel like, I know, uh, granted, they were trying to save themselves from getting killed. I do feel like they could have been able to sneak a little bit more gold off of that planet than they actually did. Yeah. With the amount of gold there, they could have been, like, stuffing their pockets as they were leaving. They should have done that right away. Instead, they only got that little handful of treasure. Which yeah. apparently was enough to, bu- to build an entire it was inn, enough but to build in and <laughs> do some extra work on it. And then we just get the constant back and forth between Silver and Jim, which really leads to the whose side is Silver on. And it really makes for, for such a great story. And that's constant throughout the, yeah. the, the movie. There's just this constant back and forth between he's trusting him or he's not trusting him. And you really don't know which way that he's going to go. Like up Silver until... keeps suggesting that they try to split it. And like also Silver doesn't want to, he tries to avoid killing Jim mm-hmm. to the point where he gives up the gold to save Jim. 
he did give up that whole ship filled with gold just to save Jim. Yeah, this is like the first time where the uh, the villain like is also a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's again, this is you have to take it is Silver the villain. I mean, he definitely is a villain at some points. He's definitely the villain, like the like he's the leader of the pirates. He's the leader of the pirate, but see, I would call the main villain's group. Yeah, because Group uh, is the one that's trying to trying to kill Jim, and he's doing like he he does all the dastardly deeds, and we can still see Silver is kind of playing on Jim's side as much as he can. And again, this is where they, like I was saying, you have these back and forth moments between Silver yeah. and Jim, and you don't know which side he's on all the way until the last moment when until the end, him. where he's like, "I'm a good guy now," kind of. So that's why he still runs did. away. <laughs> he did run away. Well, he was let go by Jim. He was running away, and then he was let go. <laughs> Going back all the way back to when Jim finds out about Silver, when he was in the little brig area. Oh yeah, when time. he was in the uh, barrel. Did Morph lead him there on purpose? Because that's kind of what it seemed like to me. That's kind of what it seems like. But at the same time, it just looked like Morph was playing. So. Morph was just playing, but he he did also lead him directly to that spot where he found out about the plan. Oh no, stuff if, like that. Yeah, that's hard to tell, honestly. <laughs> it was hard to tell. Let's uh, see, what have we not covered yet? Because there's a lot to this story to talk it was about. Because it was so much, well, so many different layers and so many different levels to the story. And again. I think the huge biggest part of the story was the characters mm-hmm. themselves. So then do we and, just want to get on the characters? Um I have one issue. One more issue that I want okay, to okay. the story. Now that I looked in my notes. The the countdown. Again, their countdown is off. And it bothers me. <laughs> he says seventeen seconds left. I counted seventeen seconds. When I got to zero, he said seven seconds left. Right when I get oh, to zero. Okay. okay. <laughs> I understand. I, I understand that you can't have seventeen seconds to fill the entire sequence that they were having, mm-hmm. but don't say such a low number and then drag it on a bit longer like that. Yeah, like, uh, random. If you're gonna do that, because he's gonna start with, he's gonna mention seventeen seconds. <laughs> like, that, that's weird. Go to twenty or fifteen. Don't like if you're gonna do that do like a 30 second and then go down yeah. to like the seven seconds because when you say something like seven 17 seconds it's enough time where you know what 17 seconds should be yeah and it's like all right the thing's gonna blow and then you hear him say seven seconds left and i'm like no time's up what do you <laughs> like Again, you should be dead by now <laughs> stupid stupid little things that don't aren't actually killing the movie for me but it's like because what what was the other one that was that we had that in? Was it Rescuers? Um, or was it was it the, the Great Mouse Detective? I want. I think it was the Great Mouse Detective. Where their where their countdown was wrong, and <laughs> I think that was the Great Mouse Detective when they were in the trap. Yeah, they were about to be smushed. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it was, and I'm like this here. They did it again, and it just kind of sits the wrong way with me. It's like. 
That's not, I'm not gonna kill like I'm not okay. gonna take any points away for it, but it's like, not everyone's gonna be like counting like okay, he said seventeen. 16, <laughs> well, 15. I did it the second to be fair, I did do it the second time I watched the movie just to <laughs> just to prove my point. Because the point was I'm like the first time that I watched the movie, I'm like, that feels like it was a lot longer than seventeen seconds. And I was right. Because <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Listen, when when you go to school for this kind of stuff, it it bothers you. Well, see, I went to school for music, so that well, I went to school for <laughs> film, so <laughs> that's why. Again, the same issue with the giving away the the plot twist so early. It's it bothers me, but at the same time, I understand why they had to do it that way. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to characters and. All right. If there's nothing else to add here. <laughs> I think we're good. We talked about story for I, quite a while. I there. have a few more notes, but I'm like, if we get to all my notes, we'll be here all day. So yeah. <laughs> uh, for characters, I have a 94. I have mine at a 96. Two point difference. And again, this was my highest character score. And this was the same thing of I can't jump my scores higher then because atlantis had a 93 i think mm-hmm. and i think tarzan as well had a 93 and i'm like if i make that jump much more higher there's only so much like it's gonna make it obvious that it doesn't fit well there's but, typically like a character or two that i just don't like like either they're like super annoying to me or that was there was nothing about them see I kind of felt like Ben was kind of annoying. A little, but at the same time, it was like endearing. He was he was annoying, but he was also enjoyable. So it was like, I get I don't know. I wouldn't say that like destroyed the character score from. I didn't own. necessarily hate a single character in this movie. Well, no. you know, character wise, but I definitely hated. Uh, oh, you just said it. Screw. I don't screw. Well. The thing about characters here is the the character development was done extremely well in this movie, and they did such a great job of tying the character development to the story, where something would happen in the story and it would completely affect the characters that were involved in it to show their character changes. And we see that the most with Captain Silver and with Jim as well. Mm-hmm. And their relationship specifically. Because like we said, there's the constant back and forth of whose side is Silver actually on? And is he really does he really care for Jim or is it all just an act? Yeah. Which I mean they still had that amazing character dynamic to them though. Yeah. Even with that. They did. And you have Jim, Jim's character itself was just someone that you're, you know, again, we, I said, you root for him immediately. Just mm-hmm. this little kid on his bed with his mother. It's like, this is a nice character. There's not, like, like you can... He's fascinated about Treasure Planet and this pirate. Mm-hmm. It's like, he kind of makes it almost a passion, almost. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call it a passion. But he, he's very inspired by it. Mm-hmm. And you can see it it causes his 
flaws of him being too adventurous and getting himself in trouble constantly. And being a little rebellious, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have a small fun fact about Jim. Yes. Uh, James Pleiades Hawkins. Uh, The Pleiades, also known as the Seven Sisters, Monsieur 45, and other names by different cultures, is an asterism and an open star cluster containing middle-aged hot B-type stars in the northwest of the constellation Taurus. So he has a middle name based on a cluster of stars. Interesting. And I mean, it just sounds like a Star Trek captain's name. (laughs) It does. Do we ever actually hear his full name in the movie, though? Yes. Uh, His mother calls him by full name, which, as everyone knows, is a scary thing. (laughs) I was scared for him. Ah, yes. When he was getting in trouble with the police, right? No. Uh, No? Yes, he did get called that. But (laughs) it was while he was just up reading his book late at night. That's the first time we hear his name. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean... It, it still scared me like, oh no, oh no, this is going to be one of those cases where she's a bad mother and is mean <laughs> to him or something. No. no, she was extremely loving. She was very caring. You can see she she's on the fence like with his choices. She's not happy about the way he's acting, but she's still really She's cares. still supporting him. Yeah. And she's just trying to make sure that he's doing the right thing in life. And that's when she gets Delbert to try and help him. Delbert's kind of a jerk. uh, He grew on me. I didn't like him at first. I didn't like him at first, but he did grow on me. And as soon as he gets excited about the expedition, it's like a whole new character comes out of him. Like he's like, and I'm getting go on this adventure. Go, Delbert. Go, Delbert. (laughs) Yeah, and that from from that point on, it's a completely different character, and he definitely grows as well throughout the entire movie. Oh yeah, and breaks out of his shell, and you can see breaks out of his shell, and he becomes a little less timid. Yeah, especially during that scene when he's breaks out of his rope. Well, he slips out of his hands out of the ropes because it's extremely thin wrists, yeah. and then he, <laughs> he's like he, complaining, complaining, and, and I have surprisingly thin wrists. And then instantly comes up with that plan to get out of there by stealing. Insults that alien. He's like, do you have a big head or something like that? And he goes, is it that your body is too big for your teeny tiny head? Or your teeny tiny head too small for that big fat body? (laughs) Which like, that's a huge step up from, from the man we saw in the beginning of the movie. And he grew throughout the movie. And then also the relationship with him and, Captain Amelia, we can see it growing throughout the entirety mm-hmm. of their because they basically hated each other at the first meeting. Oh, because say of hate, just oh. more if he disliked her because <laughs> she was kind of cocky. Yeah, but uh, she was another character that I did not like at first meeting, and then the more I saw her, the more she grew on me. Well, yeah, the part that I thought was funniest with her was uh, when Delbert was telling her to quit giving orders into rest. She goes, oh, you're taking command. I like that. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, she was a good character. And you could tell, you know, as I said earlier, 
she really cared for Mr. Arrow and thought highly of him while he thought highly of her. Yes. And we didn't get enough of Mr. Arrow to to really get yeah, to know bef- too much about him. He had just before his death. He yeah. had a few moments here and there with with uh Captain Amelia. And then he had the one like probably the the moment that shows him off the most was when he was breaking up the fight with this group and um and he's like, There's no fighting on my ship and he Am I clear? Transparently. Biggest back talk ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jim back talking uh Scroop. Yes. Really showed how much of a jerk Scroop was also. Scroop was terrible. I mean, he was a great, great villain, but a terrible, terrible person. A creature of lobster evil lobster I have written my notes as. Cause I uh, I like I, don't know. I feel like he was more of like I put, I kept putting him down as Mantis guy. Hey, Jim calls him a bug. A bu- yeah, a, some kind of bug thing. I have him written in my notes as evil lobster. Evil lobster. Because I I put these little like note t- like in quotations next to each character, so I know which character mm. it is. Uh, next to him, I have evil lobster. Like Mister Silver, I have chef in quotations, even though I should know him as like the. Long John Silver, like one of the most infamous pirates <laughs> of all time. But, and then for Ben, I put just robot. Uh, I also have robot for Ben. <laughs> uh, for Arrow, I have Korg. <laughs> because okay. he reminded me of Korg from Thor. Okay, which, okay. Well, at least look-wise. Personality-wise, yeah. they weren't really similar. No, no, but, nothing similar there. But big rock person, yeah, it's Korg. <laughs> I put Dr. Delbert Doppler as just clumsy, which he was. He was clumsy. <laughs> he was very clumsy. <laughs> like, I like how he was shooting for the uh, boat up top. Yeah. Whenever the crew was chasing them <laughs> off. Yeah. And Captain Amelia is like, did, did you, you mean, mean to? That? You know what? I actually did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of great growth in all of the characters here. Oh, and yeah. I think that really tied so well into the story. Like I said, the way they portrayed it in the story. And just the relationships that the characters had with each other. It really made the story that much better. Yeah. And then one of my favorite characters, Morph. Morph was great. Morph <laughs> was hilarious. <laughs> and just so cute. But it's You couldn't tell which side Morph was on. It was... It was really tough to see. I don't think Morph knew what side it was on. <laughs> Especially when they're like calling for Morph whenever Morph had the map. Mm-hmm. And apparently that entire scene was ad lib. <laughs> but it's like Morph was like, oh, oh, which way am I going? Oh, oh, hide in the rope. Yeah. And then. That led to a whole nother plot point of them having to get back to the ship to to get the map. Because Morph changed into the map. (laughs) And you can see Morph really cared about Jim by the end because Morph didn't want to leave Jim. Yeah, that's that's when when, uh, Sora's like, hey, I need you to watch this pup for me. (laughs) And Morph's just excited and I was really happy to see that Morph got to stay. Yeah. 
I, and then I really Morph and Ben were now helping out at the end. Mm-hmm. And again, Morph was more of a neutral character, like we said, because we don't know. Yeah. Like we said, we didn't know if Morph led him to that spot purposely in the beginning. There were some other things where he's like, all right, whose side is Morph on? Who is he with Jim or is he with Silver? And he kind of just played on both sides. So he was basically neutral. And then yeah. in the end, you can see that he is happy to be with Jim. Uh, who else do we need to talk about? There weren't, like, many main characters. No, there was a couple of main characters and just many major side characters that just, like, appeared. Because there was, like, the Krang. The, I called him Krang. It was... The guy who took his head off, and then he had another head on his body. Oh, yeah. I think those are two separate characters, and the other dude was just sitting on... (laughs) One person was sitting on the other. Krang from Ninja Turtles, because that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. And you had all those other henchmen characters that were all kind of interesting and unique in their own Like, some of them got lined, some of them were just there, but it was still... They all had great designs, which we can talk about here in a little bit with visuals but yeah they also had their own personalities mm-hmm. and even like that little boy in the beginning who was w- sitting there waiting for his food and then when he finally gets his worms he jumps the, into the it. frog kid and then there's yeah. that little frog girl <laughs> and then um oh jim's mom said her name I didn't write it down or anything because she's not an important character. She just got, kept going, where's my juice? Oh, that nasty old lady. That yeah. bothered <laughs> that lady. Gwen? Because I oh. relate to Jim's mother at that point. Miss Dunwitty. That's what it That's is. it. That's it. I have the cast list like like normal. I have it sitting here. So, yeah. But, uh, Miss Dunwitty was a nasty old lady. She could have. But it made me think of some of customers i've had to deal with where they were just <laughs> impatient and it's like i'll get to you here in a little bit hey i'm waiting on my juice i know give me a moment i'm waiting on my <laughs> i will get to you here in a little bit yes but that was to help show that his mom was struggling yes at the end which again made it nice to see ben and morph at the end helping out mm-hmm. anything else you want to add on characters before we move on um i think my favorite of the like pirate crew yeah was the fart one <laughs> of course should have known <laughs> i mean he had a full conversation with doppler and Delbert. and yes. like we didn't again i wanted subtitles but <laughs> we didn't know what they were you saying. don't understand flatula no, I can speak it just fine, but I have, you know, you don't know what they were saying, but you know, after Delbert like explains things, the fart monster's like, oh, okay, okay, you're good. I think that's all the characters now. Okay, so let's move on to visuals. Uh, for my visuals, I have a ninety-five. I have a 96 for my visuals. These are definitely like the best visuals we have seen so far. I would say it's it's tied with my other best visual store, which was Tarzan. And I would say it's on point with Tarzan, if not a little bit better. 
I don't know if I was ready to make that jump of making it the highest visual score. But because Tarzan did have a lot of great visuals as well. So it's oh, like, yeah. Is this but, better? Is it? It's about the same. So, like, I just kind of left it there. But, yeah. Uh, with this, the animation was, like, spot on. Mm-hmm. Like, little, just very little, little, tiny, minor issues. Yeah. I mean, there was a few characters in the background that kind of lost like some of the attention to detail, but it wasn't major and it wasn't. Yeah. Like, and they weren't important thing. characters. Yeah. But the characters that we do get, they had a really good different designs. Character design on this movie was just on another level from anything oh, yeah. that we've seen so far. Cause you have all these different creatures and all these different species and all these different, just, they're all unique and individual to themselves. You have those frog people. You have those tentacle creatures. You have whatever Delbert is. I think and... he's a dog. <laughs> Delbert Doppler the dog. Yeah. I don't know. That alliteration sounds good. It looks like he's being <laughs> given dog food at the end. Yeah. I don't and know what he is from exactly. A bowl and he human, looks... Humanoid dog creature. He drink, and he drinks silver soup like slurping it with his tongue like a dog would or a house but, or any animal would i guess but and then you have flint and you have like the the pirate dude in the beginning uh-huh. just every single character had their own unique look and they just all stood out and you can point them all out to the only two there was that one like lady that was just legs and a head I think we had another character in the same movie who kind of looked like that, but wasn't like a big character at all, like no lines or anything. Yeah. But other than that, everything else was great. Yeah. And there was a lot of, I think to me, what stood out the most about this movie was the, the camera movements that they had added in this. Oh, yeah. Was... Uh, I read that uh, they really wanted it to look like a Steven Spielberg movie. So they mimic the like camera movements as if it was one of his action movies. That's that's noticeable because there were so many great spots where that happened. Where you had like that the moment when Jim and Mister Silver were talking about like him being a cyborg. You had this great circling movement around them, mm-hmm. and it just constantly followed around them and and like kept engaged. Like the movement was engaging with their conversation and what the space that they were occupying. And then the other spot where that was really noticeable was when Jim was looking for Morph, he goes down into the the thing and I have this first person shot of him, like looking under the the table for Morph. Mm -hmm. And that looked really cool. The way they had like the camera just bent down and looked under the table and they did so many cool things with this camera, like, and they made it really feel cinematic. Like, it. you, they were def, they definitely have been kind of doing it, with the past few movies. Yeah, but, but you know, they were. It was more of like they were testing it. This time, they definitely nailed it. Yeah, it was an active like part of the the visual like storytelling of the movie. Mm-hmm. And there was so many other great visuals in this movie throughout as well. 
like again that supernova scene looked yeah. so cool the, all the stars and the explosions and the, then you and had then the black hole and during the during the uh song mm-hmm. no like space expert but i think they were flying into what is called a nebula okay or whatever that cluster of like <laughs> kind of gas or whatever yes uh, again, I know nothing about space. So I'm just probably <laughs> speaking, I probably sound like some idiot right now. <laughs> I, but that looked really nice. Them flying yeah, into that, it did, and there was a lot of great like space shots where you see mm-hmm. like the galaxies and all kinds of stars and everything in the background. Those space whales as the they space, were passing by. Yeah, the space orcas. What do they call them? The something um, orcas. Orcas nebulous, I think. <laughs> Which they looked really cool. I also had in my my other notes. I was like, "Is that what happened to the whales that were from Fantasia 2000?" Yeah, they... yeah. These are the same exact whales. <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking. <laughs> they did so well in there during Pines of Rome that Disney rehired those same <laughs> whales. That's the ones that got sent up into space. <laughs> this is where they wound up. <laughs> but they did look really cool, and then. Uh, that the holographic map looked awesome too when when he opens up the map and when he opens the map like mm-hmm. he figures that map out like super fast which kind of shows like jim's not an idiot yeah he knew what he was doing with that and mm-hmm. he worked it out that in the beginning just him when he was gliding on his little sailor thingy whatever it's called oh yeah his place. like skateboard yeah hoverboards yeah thingy they have all these cool movements of him flipping Again, around that was, and that was another place where they had great camera work yeah it was great camera work and it was following him through and he was doing spins and then he went through that windmill type thing uh-huh. and follows him through the windmill and it was really cool and then during the mutiny scene when they were being chased through this the ship they had a lot of great camera movements as well of oh like, yeah them running through the ship and then Captain Captain Amelia. Captain Amelia does like this flip and the camera like flips mm-hmm. with her. And it flips with her in it. And it was like really cool. And then the treasure plant like the treasure itself looked awesome. Oh yeah. And then that scene where they were escaping Treasure Planet. Yes, the exploding planet. They were flying through all the obstacles and stuff like that. Yeah. That was again awesome. great camera work. It was like everything around had great colors. Like it was a disaster. Yeah. And then, like that instant, like Jim opening that gate way for them, and watching them fly through mm-hmm. looked so good. That gate itself looked awesome too. It oh they, yeah. They were flashing through all the the different planets and backgrounds. Like I was ready to. Know, so. I was ready to go back and hopefully go that gate would still be there that wasn't destroyed (laughs) and go back and check out all these other planets because they looked fun to explore Mm -hmm. there was a desert planet that made me think of like maybe it's from the dune series it was desert there was like a jungle i think there was a jungle there was was that big monster that almost came through and ate them all Uh uh-huh and then it led to so many places, but uh, all that stuff looked cool. It would have been funny if they 
it kept going through different worlds and we see like a reference to a disney movie or something like some characters <laughs> they like very surprised about the random doorway that like, would that would have <laughs> been pretty funny if they did that the only last note that i have here was the spaceport that looked really cool too that when looked they, awesome when they zoomed in on the, the circular ring of the spaceport and then just kept mm-hmm. going all the way into the spaceport and it's this cool, unique, like, city-type metropolis on, like, a floating ring in space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, that's all I have for visuals. They were yeah. just fantastic. Yeah, so many great things, so many cool-looking stuff. And again, so many incredible-looking characters. They all added to their their personalities and their... Uh, let's keep things moving, then what atmosphere all right i have a 97 for my atmosphere i have mine at a 96 seems like we're just going back and forth the entire time uh, yeah <laughs> up and down like and it's only like one or yeah I one or two points one or two points difference not this movie like the soundtrack is just absolutely incredible the score it's is wonderful just it's epic. amazing you have this great action movie soundtrack that fits perfectly with all of the action scenes that are going on. You have and then there's like one song in the whole movie, like speaking song, you know, yeah. lyrical song, and that and that's fit. really good. So that was this is what I was talking about last week when during Leo and Stitch is like where you get that just that one song that really brings you into the movie. And, like, connects you to the characters and connects you to the story. And, like, they could have done the same thing, like, giving a song like this to uh, Nani and just had to connect, like, give you that moment to connect with Nani and connect with mm-hmm. Lilo. And, like, and we got it for Jim. Yeah. And, I mean, also just hearing the Goo Goo Dolls. Yes, well, it is just Johnny Resnick, the singer. Well, it's not yeah. actually the full Goo Goo Dolls. It's not the full but band, but it sounds. Still. It sounds. You would think it, I thought it was a Goo Goo Dolls song at first as well. Yeah, like that voice is just so recognizable and such a such a huge part. Like I'm a huge Goo Goo Dolls fan, so like uh-huh. just hearing <laughs> him and the song itself was incredible, and it the lyrics all fit so well with the movie. The the song just. The moment that it was in, it fit so perfectly. And like we said, this song adds so many different layers to the to the movie. It adds to the characters. It adds to the story. It yeah. adds just everything that you you need it to do for this movie. It, to it helps it build a character or two for you. This is the scene where like you really see Jim and John connect. Mm-hmm. Jim and John. <laughs> Jim Don- Jimmy Johns. Jimmy Johns. <laughs> But yeah, no distractions. <laughs> you get that great bonding moment between them. It gives you that extra look into Jim's character, into his past, about his the story with his father, and it really makes you care for him a bit more. It gives you just that boost that take to t- really take this movie to a whole different level, mm-hmm. and it's it adds just so much to this movie. Oh yeah, and it's inc- it's like, insane that just one little song can do just, that, and that's just one song. That's what we're what I was saying. Like, that's all they need to do for Leo and Stitch to take that movie 
and have us really invested in like Lilo a bit more or Stitch a bit yeah. more or something like that. Although in this movie, I definitely maybe could have used some kind of sp- space pirate chanty. <laughs> I mean, you got that little like two seconds of it from from uh, Ben when he's oh, running yeah. down the corridor and he sings, "It's a pirate's he... life for me." Yeah, but that wasn't long enough. <laughs> it was yeah, no, like two I, seconds. I definitely needed like a full song from the pirate crew or something, <laughs> like. It didn't even have to be like a super main focus, just whenever Jim's sneaking up just here to in the their background. camp. Instead of them sleeping, maybe they're just partying, like singing, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have hurt to add it in, but did it? But, I mean, it, it didn't need it. <laughs> and it didn't kill the movie not having it. But uh, Speaking of music, I do have one last fun fact for this movie Okay, to throw in here. Alvin Silvestri left the movie to work on Lilo and Stitch, which was also notably worked on by Chris Sanders. The company then wanted James Newton Howard, who conducted and recorded all of his music scores in less than five months, to score this movie. So he he had less than five months, and he put this masterpiece of the and soundtrack if together. If I'm correct, this is the same person who did Dinosaur. How how is that the same thing? Like. <laughs> This movie connected and it resonated with this movie and it made it feel so good. Like, how is he not able to do the same thing with Dinosaur? Like, I mean, we can't all be perfect. Like, Dinosaur, let's face it, the score was not that great. The music was nice. It, it wasn't was, bad, but, but it, it didn't, didn't connect. It didn't did not connect with the movie at all. This, this on the other hand, really did. He had five months job. to do it and he managed to make everything fit perfectly in the movie. Everything like the soundtrack sounded exactly like it should have for this movie. Oh yeah, and the fact that he was able to do that in five months is just insane. Well, it took uh, them ten years to get this. <laughs> Maybe we misread it as five months to five years. No, <laughs> no, no, it was five months. But still. and also like this is exactly the sound kind of soundtrack I was expecting from Alan Silvestri last week. Granted, Leo and Stitch is not the kind of movie that's going to have that soundtrack. Yeah. But, like, had you had told me this was Alan Silvestri, I would have believed it over the Leo and Stitch. Over Leo and Stitch or Dinosaur, even. (laughs) But, yeah, the soundtrack was just... The score was absolutely amazing. And it's funny that, like, I was, was, like, looking at my score. I I gave it a 97 which is what the same I gave Beauty and the Beast and like Aladdin and all those movies that I have, like those actual songs that we know and all of them. Like, am I, can I really give this score the same as those, even though there's not actual songs? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Because this, this, the score added that's so much how, to this movie. That's just how well this fitted in. Even though there's only one actual lyrical song that connects you to the movie, every other song, even though it's just, compositions mm-hmm. fits well and then and you then, have the voice acting as well yeah which like was... the score isn't just kai because of the songs or the soundtrack mm-hmm. no it the voice acting was incredible yes everyone like i one i didn't recognize uh joseph gordon levitt's until Who after i watched the movie credits huh yeah <laughs> he did a great job though Mm-hmm. And this was like one of his earlier acting cr- credits. 
Yeah, this is actually, I believe, one of the yeah, this is one of his very first movies. Yeah, and he still delivered such a great performance in Jim, and like you can feel all the emotion that he put into Jim's character, and all of the the personality that was there, and every every character in this movie delivered so much personality into their their voices, especially Silver. Silver was just so good with his his accent and just everything that he did with his character. Oh yeah, that was a uh, Brian Murray. Yes. And he does a fantastic job. He's been in, like, some decent works, too. Mm-hmm. Ben, as annoying as he was, was still fun. Martin Short. I love Martin Short. Martin so Short's was... a hilarious guy. <laughs> he can be a bit much at some times, but... Yeah. It still, still delivers in a... Uh... Even the narrator. The Man, narrator was Tony fantastic. J. Which yeah. is Frollo. Yes. And he has just such a great voice. And that's a fantastic voice for narrating. I was kind of upset we only got him in that first half of the movie. But it makes sense. Because he wasn't actually narrating the movie itself. He was just narrating the book. Mm -hmm. And then another superstar they had was uh, Emma Thompson as Captain Amelia. And then uh, David Pierce was Dr. Delbert, who, like, one of my favorite voices who is one of my favorite uh voices while growing up because he was also in a bug's life i believe he was in osmosis jones yeah all of the voice work here was just incredible and even also like the sound effects were all really good as well they had so many cool different sound effects like the, the cannons going off and the lasers being fired and like the planets exploding. They added so many different cool sound effects too. Mm-hmm. So like they really just curated a great sound for this entire movie with everything that they did. Wonderful water. See- I don't remember much water in this movie. <laughs> they were in space for, for a pirate movie. There was no, <laughs> there was no water, but I don't uh, think there was any water. I mean, there was raining, which, I mean, that looked good. <laughs> well, we're talking about atmosphere right now, so. Yeah. <laughs> the rain is atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's all I got for atmosphere, though. Right. So let's continue on to entertainment. So, for my entertainment score. Yes. I was, I was so close. But I didn't quite go for it yet. I have mine at a ninety-nine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're really going for it there. <laughs> I I absolutely love this movie it so a, much. It was a great movie. I have mine at a ninety-six. So I mean, that's our biggest. Hey, that's our biggest difference. Yeah, at, with three points. three points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did love this movie. Whether or not I loved it as much as the rest of the movies is question because I have it at ninety six, which is my Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, all those other things. Mm-hmm. I have Hunchback at a ninety seven, and I might like eventually come to see this as a ninety seven. I don't think I'm ready to to bump it up to that next final spot. As my I was most, ready, like, my and I pushed. Movie. I had Hercules at a ninety eight as my top score yeah 
And so I was like, you know what? I think I like this movie better than I like Hercules. There is just so many great things about this movie. There's the action scenes are all incredible. The character development is just something that we've never seen before. The way they, they handle these characters and stories is just so advanced in the storytelling of Disney compared to where we've been so far. And I hate to be the one to say this. Jim's mom was attractive. <laughs> Jim's mom remind me of Belle. Yeah, I I definitely could see that. She she looked quite a bit like Belle in my in my eyes. If only Jimmy Neutron was a Disney show, so they could have had a Carl Weezer character. Hi, Jimmy's mom. <laughs> that. But <no>. yeah, <laughs> and then. I just kept finding myself drawn into the story. Like I tried every for every movie we've done, I'll put it on like at least only once at least. Yeah. As like background noise while I'm doing other things. So like I can subconsciously go, oh hey, I know what's going on. Hey, I know what's going on. I could not do that with this movie. I tried that. I tried doing it as background noise. And I was instead of intentions of like doing some house cleaning or something yeah. that I do. Instead, I was too drawn into this movie just <laughs> watching it, just like in tr- like invested. Yeah, this movie it definitely has a way of like pulling you in and like just making it so it's the only thing you care about when this movie is on because there's a lot mm-hmm. of movies where it's like all right, I'm not fully invested in this story or it's like, like it it can be background for you. Yeah. But this movie really sucks you in. And like you were messaging me before when you were getting home from work to record this episode. And I was taking my notes for this movie. And I I was like messaging you like, hey, you ready? Hello. I had no no, paying no attention to my phone at all because I'm so invested in taking my (laughs) notes for this movie and enjoying it. Yeah. You you just get hooked. And I said, uh, sorry, I didn't see any of your message. I was too 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 focused on the movie. <laughs> I was in the zone here. And like me, I watched the movies twice. I watched it the first time just straight through with no interruptions on my own, like as a first viewing. And then I'll watch it right before we record and I'll take notes as I'm watching about all the stuff that sticks out to me. And normally when it comes to watching it the second time, I'm like, all right, I got to watch it again. I got to do this. This one, I was really looking forward to watching it again that second time and taking mm-hmm. notes, and I was excited to to watch it again and get into. Like it. you were telling me how excited you were to talk about this movie, I was like, "Yeah, me too. <laughs> this is going to be a great one to talk about." And that's the magic of these movies that, like, really bring you in like that. Yeah, like, and this is one that neither of us really saw much. No, like I said, I. I feel well. I feel like I would have remembered this if I had seen yeah. it at least once. Like, I I know I have not watched this before. As I far, remember seeing the characters at one point, but I've yeah. never watched it myself. This, as far as I know, is the first time I've ever seen it. Because, I, like I said, I feel like it's so good that I would have remembered this at at some point, and I would have watched it a mm-hmm. bunch as a child if I did see it as a child. And then you said but, earlier some before recording something about there being a video game for this for the playstation 2 oh yeah because i was looking at the, the voice cast and i was confused as to like why why is there two different 
movies like why is there another version of treasure planet and then i saw the cover art and it said ps2 on top and i'm like oh there was a video game i need i need to go back and actually play this i hope i <laughs> see a lot of video games based on movies were not the greatest so i no. like i'm going in ves- very hesitantly but i am still very intrigued enough with this movie that i would go back and play this game oh yeah and then it'd be like oh hey i know what happens here <laughs> But overall, just an amazing movie. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of great sequences, great characters, great... Just so many great things about it. And this movie, again, it feels like a real blockbuster movie. But it, at the it same time... It should have done much better in the box office. Yeah, at the same time, it this... like Remember, because we were saying how Atlantis had that Hollywood feel and it still had like the charm of Disney. Mm-hmm. This is a very similar situation, but it, it feels more Disney for some reason. Yeah. Even though it still has that epic action adventure feel to it. And like, if you would have just shown it to someone else, like they would be invested in it. But like, I don't know. It just feels dis- more Disney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> it's words are hard right now. I'm trying, I, I, to, yeah, yeah. trying to communicate but, it up, but, but you yeah, still no, understand I, to- I definitely to understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, the rest of you understand <laughs> what I'm trying to say too. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and give our overall score. Okay. So, for my overall score, I have a ninety-five point two. For my overall, I have a ninety-six even so that's almost a full point difference ahead of mine but it's it's probably because of the entertainment score yeah. but it's it, it's i think it's deserving of that 96 yeah i'm not saying it isn't mine is now my new highest scoring movie and which... this is obviously my new highest scoring movie <laughs> again would not have expected this in a million years at all no which like is... But like when we started and we gave our like, oh, what we think the best movies will be for this podcast. Yeah. I did not <laughs> think for a second that any of these movies from the 2000s, early 2000s well, would like make it. The sad part is it's a movie that we've never seen before. Like how is yeah. a movie? How did this movie how escape did, how us? How did this slip us? For like, the entirety of our lives. Why were more? Why weren't people talking about this movie more? When I was growing it's, up, speaking critically, the greatest movie that we've seen so far, in terms of all of the the aspects of it, critically like, enjoyability, like it's a fantastic movie. People, you need to go out. <laughs> well, don't go out. Stay in and watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is. I have Tarzan and a ninety-four point eight. When this is 95.2. So like it's still right up there with my my last highest. But at the fa- same time, like the fact that well one, I wasn't expecting Tarzan to to be at the top of my list as well. But the mm-hmm. fact that a, a movie I've never even seen before is also replacing that. Yeah. Like it's this movie's topping to me. This movie for us is topping like some of the most popular Disney movies out there. 
and again, you do take into consideration of like all of Discord as well. Like the visuals are advanced, more advanced than some of those other ones, where they did well, a better, yeah, a better job with some of the like the characters, but. Like, but even the atmosphere and the s- characters and just it's still topping some of these movies. Yeah. Which is the beauty of this podcast. And it's the beauty, the beauty of... and the beast of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it is a beast because we've not seen this it's movie a, yet. It's a so. beast of a movie if it's this <laughs> high for us and we this is our first time watching it. I'm disappointed that I've not seen this movie. Yeah, um, I'm very upset with I've myself. I've missed out on it for t- 10 years now. I need to go back in time and tell when my parents. Movie come for, out? Like uh, the, the actual release date. It came out in 2002, but I'm seeing like how close we are to the actual 10-year anniversary. November 27, 2002. So we're close to the 10-year anniversary of this movie. Yes, we're 10 years of this away. movie coming out, and we haven't watched it before. Well, it's now in my rotation. I can tell you that much. Oh, I'm yeah. watching this a lot more. I'm, I'm going to be having watch parties <laughs> with my friends with this movie. I'm going to be like, no, you all are going to stop whatever movie. We're, we're going to watch a horror movie? No. We're going to watch okay. Disney. They're going to uh, be like, you. I don't want to know romance romantic song i'm like no we're watching treasure planet and y'all are going to just sit there and deal with it it's getting recommended to so many people and i'm gonna oh, yeah. like and the people that have seen it i'm gonna yell at them why haven't you told me about this movie what's wrong with you like brooke, I, I, I brooke was telling that. us that this movie was underrated brooke why didn't you tell us more about this movie <laughs> calling you out right now <laughs> yeah i had a friend who i game with i told her about that we're talking about this movie and she's like, oh, I love that movie. It's like, you knew about this movie and didn't tell me. <laughs> you, you, like when giving me, like when we're getting to know each other, you don't say your favorite movies, Treasure Planet. Okay, you maybe not have to make it your favorite movie, but you still need to mention it to me if I talk about Disney movies. Well, going forward, we know that this is a wonderful movie and we're going to spread the word about Treasure Planet. Yes. Uh, next week, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have as much luck as we did here. We have Brother Bear coming up next week. I remember liking Brother Bear, but at the same time, like, not caring for it that See, much. If if it is the same movie that I believe it is, because there are other movies with our animals similar to this, and other movies that are in the same realm as this, so I could be mixing up with it, with other movies. But if it is the movie I believe it is, it is one of the most boring movies that I remember seeing. I will say it has a bunch of uh, Phil Collins music. So there, there's one plus for it. That might be helpful. but There's a plus for the atmosphere, at least. It does have several Phil Collins songs. <laughs> that That is nice. If I remember. It might only have one Phil Collins then song. That's not so nice. But... Yeah, like I said, I could be mixing it up with a different movie that is similar to it. But if it is the movie I believe it is, which I'm fairly certain of, I remember it being extremely boring when I watched it. Yeah. But well, maybe we'll be surprised. Like, hey, it's not as bad as we remember. Well, that's what we got to hope for. Because otherwise, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're back to 
back to dreading the movies again because there's gonna be gonna be hard to find some more stuff that's gonna trap Treasure Planet. To be honest. Oh yeah, for a while at least. Yeah. But that's it for this week. Uh, until next time, may all your dreams come true. Bye.